0: Uh, good morning, guys. Man, here in a, a couple of weeks, we would have read through the whole book of Acts together. That's awesome. So so excited. Um, hey, um, yeah, my name is Ricky, and I serve as one of the pastors here. Um, you know, just let me tell you a story, a great, amazing story. Okay. A guy, he gets thrown into jail, and he spends many decades there, and then he escapes the end. All right, all right. I, I don't think you guys are getting it because that's a really good story. So let me try another one. Okay, there's a guy and he makes a ring and then he loses the ring and someone else finds the ring and then later throws it in lava. The end. I, man, this is just, you know, guys, th- these are two amazing stories. The first one is Shawshank Redemption great great movie the other one is lord of the rings these are great movies and i know that even as i'm describing these things to you you're kind of like that doesn't no that doesn't sound amazing that doesn't sound that good you're you're kind of missing a lot of the story ricky you're missing a lot of of the movie um and so yeah i get what you're you're wondering and thinking so here's actually in case shawshank redemption you got that pic over there taylor Sweet. So this is at the end of the movie. This won't, I'm kind of spoiling the ending, but it won't spoil the movie. This is a great movie. So this is Andy DeFrance. He's the main character in Shawshank Redemption. And this is towards the end of the movie, and this is actually after he escapes jail. And the, in this moment, you I mean, it is actually a super powerful moment. And here's why. Because even though this is towards the end of the movie, it's like you've walked with him for throughout the whole movie, and you're seeing that he's actually thrown in jail, but he's innocent, and while he's in jail, it's just like, it's awful. He's abused, he's taken advantage of, um, it's just this terrible situation, he's in darkness, he's in, in despair, and because you've been with him in, in this like, kind of storm of his life, all of this hardship, throughout the whole movie, when you get to this point in the movie, and he's just like, he's free, you're like, we made it. You know, even though you're not in jail, you're just like, man, gosh, you, you feel it. Gosh, this is this, is this powerful moment in the, in, the, in the story because somehow you're there with him. And so here's kind of the, the point of the story isn't just that he's free. The point of the story isn't just the end. It's how you got there. It's what got you there in the first place and and this is what is going on in acts 27 you know, i don't know if you were reading it this past week or maybe in your city group and you read this and you're like can we just get there already god said he would take you to rome why do we need all these details about you're in a boat now you're in another boat and then you sailed here and you sailed there in these weird places and all these things that we don't know about and then you took soundings, whatever, and you, can you just be like, you crashed and then eventually got to Rome, next chapter. That would be great, right? But just like we would be missing it in those other stories, if we just skipped past this story, we'd be missing it. We'd be missing the journey of, of God getting Paul there and, and showing us uh, what he's doing. And So this is what the author, Luke, is doing. He, he's, he's a physician, so he's making sure he's getting down the facts. This is actually what happened. These are real places, real... People, real times. And he's, he's, as he's guided by the Holy spirit to write down the word of God, he's also just telling us like, Hey, you need to slow down. I'm giving you all these details. I'm giving you all this story so that you could slow down because if you don't slow down and you just skip to the end, you're going to miss it. And so today we're going to look at three truths, three, three truths that God wants us to see in this story and how he works in and through us when we face storms and difficulties in life. And so you've got a Bible open up to Acts 27. It's in the New Testament, Acts 27. And uh, as you're opening there, just kind of recap. You want to show that map? Here's a map to just give us some ideas. So this whole thing started here in Jerusalem, in Israel. When Paul comes to uh, to Jerusalem, he's saying, hey, man, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one that died on the cross. He paid the price for sin. You can have now a relationship with God. This isn't about a religion. And all of this happens because of what Jesus has done for you, not because of how good you are. Not because you don't do bad things or anything like that. Jesus paid the price for you, and he rose again. And hey, now you can be saved from your sin, have this relationship with God. And so the people there, the religious leaders, they don't like that. They're like, no, hey, this is kind of getting us in in our power and our prestige, our uh, position. And so they want to kill him. So he ends up going up here, Paul, and he's in jail for two years. And then he appeals to Caesar. And so Paul's a Roman citizen. So they're like, all right, hey. To, you know, you appeal to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. So in here for two years, and God promised them, hey, I will take you to Rome, which is way over there, and you'll testify about me. So now they're setting off in this chapter on this, this journey. And So it is this, it's getting to be the bad part of the year to be sailing. It's not like they have radar and know what's going on with the weather. And so it's, it's pretty dangerous to be sailing. So they're kind of in this smaller boat, and they're going along the coast here. And that way, any of the, 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 the land kind of shields them from the wind. So when it says in the text, they, they sailed under the lee, that's what it's talking about. Like, hey, they're using the, the land to protect them against the wind. So they're in this smaller ship, kind of going along the coast, and they get to here, and then that's when they switch to this bigger ship. Um, and then after they switch to that bigger ship, they go over here, and then they come down here. They're, they're trying to go this way. But it says that the wind doesn't allow them. And so instead of just kind of coming across here, the, the wind pushes them south, and then they're going to try to again sail underneath here. Um, and then after th- right here is when Paul gives them the advice. Hey, guys, I think we should just kick it here. Here, yeah, it's not maybe the best harbor, but it'll do because if we keep going, this is going to cost us. It's going to cost us the boat, the, the goods, all this stuff. And they say, no, let's keep going. And then they're trying to just get here. It's only 40, about 40 miles from uh, this Fair Havens to Phoenix. You know, if you're just like, hey, if we stick it close to shore, shouldn't be a big deal. 40 miles, we'll get there and we'll just kick it there for the winter. Um, But this nor'easter, kind of like a tropical storm. I mean, this is a big storm, uh, big winds, kicks them out here and then they're just out here in the open sea, and that's where a lot of the chapter takes place, Um, and so do you have a picture of that ship there, Taylor? So again, they're here. They're in this small ship, but then when they get to Myra, they're in this like really big ship, this big ship that's that, you know, at the end of the chapter, it says that there's 276 people on board. Um, I love that detail. Uh, They probably had to, to even get the head count because then that's about when they eat, and so they are, they're out there, and they, it could carry up to 300 passengers. And these ships, during this time, they're, they're on this trade route from Egypt to Rome, and they're carrying grain, um, wheat, corn, um, all of these things. Um, and since it's a dangerous time of year to be carrying all these things, this, it makes it actually a little bit more profitable, though. Hey, it's danger, but hey, we'll pay you for it. If you, if you bring it to us in these bad months, we'll pay you extra for it. And so this kind of shows us that probably this captain, the pilot of this ship, this Alexandrian ship, a little ambitious. You know, they're looking for an opportunity. Hey, this could be our, uh, the time where we can get paid even more. And so be, they're carrying all that grain. And with all of this grain down at the bottom of the ship, if it gets wet, does anybody know what happens to to like corn or grain, any of that stuff when it gets wet? What happens? What? I sorry, I just hear blah, blah blah blah. Right? It, and it, it absorbs all of that water. And so, if you, this is dangerous because if any of that gets wet, boom, your ship is getting heavy, quick, and and you might sink. But again, you're going to get um, paid for it. And so, uh, again, that Paul gives them some good advice. Hey, let's stay here in Fair Havens. We've made it here. It's been hard. I mean, if you notice, as, as the chapter goes on, there, there's a lot of repeating words. We sailed with great difficulty. We weren't slow. The wind was against us. It repeats these words because Luke is telling you, hey, this is a dangerous journey. This is hard. The, the, this, the storm didn't just start when they got out into the middle of the ocean. It's been going this way the whole time. Everything just seems to be against them. Um, and so, but the pilot, you know, ignores them. Hey, man, I want to make some money. I want to get there. Also, uh, Phoenix, it's a better harbor. Hey, I can let everybody off the ship because if this is a pretty cool place, if I could get everybody off the ship, then I don't have to pay to feed them. They'll go into town, they'll spend their own money, and this won't be that big of a deal. And so, this is this journey that we're going along with Paul in, and, and hey kids, I was able to find a picture of Paul on the ship. I know this is crazy, but we are able to find an actual, there he is, he's, there he is sailing in the, in the Mediterranean Sea. Pretty fun. Um, that's well, Captain Jack Black. But um, just in case. Somebody's like, I saw Paul. Um, it's not, not, not him. <laughs> yeah, the kid's correcting you, Dad. Like, no, that wasn't Paul, Dad. They didn't have cameras back then. Um, but so they're, they're in this storm, and they're facing this difficulty. There. Everything seems to be against them. And, and God, in his sovereignty, could just say, hey, you know what? Maybe you don't need all of this information. I, I said I would take Paul to Rome, and I got him to Rome. That, that's two verses and there we go. But instead, there's 42 verses. And again, this is showing us, hey, what is God doing during this time? Because if you miss this, you, it's, the point isn't just the end. The point is the journey. And what is God doing in this storm? What is God doing in this difficulty? And so we're going to look at three truths that show us about God facing storms. And so here's the first one. First one is this, God's providence. God's providence uh, and our responsibility in storms. And so that's just the first point. God's providence and our responsibility. God's pro- and providence just means protection. It means control, like God's control, how he really knows what is going on. So you just see it in this passage. Look with me at verse 23. And so they're, they're out in the open sea. Everybody, I mean, it says in the, in the first one, or a little bit earlier, it says, man, they've lost all hope. They've lost all hope. I don't know if you've faced any of that, but man, there are those moments where we we get to and it's just like, man, I don't really have very much hope. I don't really know what's going to happen. And you're just discouraged, and then this is what happens. Paul speaks into this, and he says this, verse 23. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar, And indeed, God has graciously given you and all those you are sailing with. So take courage. And so that's what the angel said to Paul. And then Paul says, so take courage, man, because I believe God that it will be just the the way it was told to me. And then we see in verse 44. So so God makes this promise, you know, through an angel says like, hey, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you to Rome. Things seem crazy. Everybody's lost all hope. And if Paul is just sitting there like... I know exactly what's going to happen. I, I kind of doubt that. I think Paul's actually feeling it. Because the angel even says, now I urge you, Paul. Hey, I know that you're kind of down in the dumps. Take courage, Paul. So God's even encouraging him in this. And God says, hey, I'm going to get you there. And I'm going to save you. I'm going to save everybody on board. And so we just see God's hand in all of this. God's in complete control. And then we look at verse 44. What happens? Verse 44. Um, some were on planks, some on debris. In, the way, every, in this way, everyone safely reached the shore. Right? God did exactly what he said he would do. God's in complete control. God has this plan. And, and in, in the storm you know, that, that we face of lives, know whatever's going on, no matter how crazy it seems, no matter how much you know, kind of hope you've lost. No, hey, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening, but I can know that God's in control. Whatever I'm facing, however big the storm is, it's not bigger than God. God is in complete control. He's providential over all of this. And so we just see that, hey, God's hand is in in this. And and then notice this, that the, the crew, Paul, they're not passive, you know, they're taking responsibility. They're tying the ropes. They're getting, the, hey, they're in this big storm. They're getting these ropes underneath the ship. They're bringing them around. Hey, let's, let's tie this ship together so that we can help keep it secure. Because, man, we're just being hounded, and so we have to, like, prepare so that we can help the ship be in the, in the best spot. They're, they're throwing cargo. They're throwing extra gear overboard. And, and all that's to lighten the weight of the ship so that it gets higher on the water. Even after they're at, at sea many days, Paul's like, hey guys, I know we've been out here for like two weeks, and um, hey, you guys maybe have been um, just super tense, super anxious, maybe seasick, whatever, because these waves are crazy. Hey, it's time to eat because you need your strength. Even Paul, when it, um, he says at the end there of 25, hey, God told me that we're gonna, he's going to save everybody. We're all going to make it. It'll be okay. But then he says... I believe God will be just the way that it told me, verse 26, but we have to run aground on some shore, on some island. And so Paul's saying, hey, I totally believe that God is going to do everything that he said he'd do. But hey, we also have a responsibility to act in accordance with what God said. If God said that, we have to follow God in that. And and so when we read this, it could kind of feel like, and we, we, we wonder this when we face really hard times, well, is God in control or is he not? If God said it would be like this, and if God said that everybody would make it safely, then maybe it doesn't matter what we do. He said, we, he said we'd make it, so we could just kind of wait for us to make it, right? But, but it, it, it doesn't matter that. And it but we actually have this responsibility. Even in God's promises, we have this, this kind of responsibility to follow God towards them. And we don't, we don't always like that. Like, we, we like it where it's either all God or all us. I mean, think about it. When you face a really hard, hard time, you're facing a storm. Some of you, you're like, you're like, hey, it's take control time. I need to be super proactive. I need to do everything. I'm going to Google this. I'm going to Google that. And I'm going to you know, make these decisions. I'm going to totally change everything. And, and if I could get all of these things in order, pow, 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 then I will control the situation. I will handle the storm and I'm going to make it out, right? You, you kind of have that, like, I'm going to do it. And then, then that, or we kind of get really apathetic and we're just like, well, God's going to do whatever he's going to do. I don't know, and we just and then, then if it doesn't work out, then we just blame God, right? You notice how we do that? We it's either just all God or we it's all us. But here, Paul Paul is saying, "Hey, yeah, God is going to do this, but guys, we're, we're we have our responsibility in this." And he Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't blame God for the storm. He doesn't just say, "Well, God's God's just kind of." Um, mean or anything, or hey, we could just kick it, but he takes action according to what God has spoken. And so practically for us, just a couple ways that this plays out practically is just in our own relationship with God and growing in our relationship with God, right? We're, we're saved totally because of what Jesus has done. We're, we're made right with God totally because Jesus came, Jesus paid the price for sin, we didn't chip in. It wasn't, also be, it wasn't Jesus and our works. It wasn't Jesus and us being pretty good people or anything like that. No, it's, we're, we're made right with God totally because of Jesus. And we just respond in faith. But after we have this relationship with, with God, how do we grow in that relationship with God? Is it God or us? Yes. Right? It's it, it, It's both. Right? I mean, even when I think back, I'm like, man, God showed me. God grew me. God shaped me. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but, yeah, I, I had to act. I had to kind of cooperate with God in that. I mean, think of it this way. I have a gym membership to uh, Good Life Fitness. I almost forgot the name because maybe I need to go there more. <laughs> and so, um, no, Ricky, you look great. Thanks. Um well, encourage me family. So so I have this card on my keychain. And when I walk in there, there's this little scanner and beep. And it says, hey, you have access here. But no matter how many times I beep that card, guess what? That card doesn't get me in shape. I wish it did. Man, that'd be great. You know, I'm just sitting there just eating a cookie, like beep, beep, beep. <laughs> but the, the card doesn't get me in shape. The card tells everybody i'm a member the card gives me access but if i want to get in shape i have to work out and paul even alludes to this in 1 corinthians 9 says hey you know i i work with discipline so that i, I might gain the prize i might not be disqualified for what god has called me i press on he says in philippians and so we, when we think about our relationship with god i think most of us if not really all of us are like man i want to grow i want to know jesus more and yes, that's the Holy Spirit, God, working in your life, but it's also you taking action to get in his word. Yeah. God, you're speaking. Let me hear you. Even if, I don't know what that meant. I don't, just, just trust God that he's going to work in that. Hey, I think that most of us want meaningful community where people are encouraging each other to, towards Christ, to be with each other, to celebrate in the, in the awesome things of life, to be with us during the hard things of life. I think we want that meaningful community. But if you don't ever show up, if you don't ever take time, it's not going to happen. And and I wish I had something for you guys, a replacement for time. But it's just like, hey, you want friendships? You want relationships? It's just going to take time. i got no substitute for you. Right? And and, and so so in that way, we're we're cooperating with God. Yes, he's providential. Yes, he's in control. But it's also our responsibility. There's something here in the text that shows us another thing that we're responsible for as, as God reveals us. So um, look, at verse, um, look at verse 9. So by now, much time had passed and the voyage was already uh, dangerous, um, since it was uh, the day of atonement was already over, Paul gave this advice. So there's the day of, you know, maybe your version says day of the fast. So this is kind of later fall, maybe early October. This is, you know, that, that's when that would take place. So this is letting you know, hey, this is later when it's really hard. So Paul gives them this advice. Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward disaster and heavy loss, not only the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But then underline circle this. But the centurion paid more attention to the captain than the owner of the ship. That's, he, they have the right advice. It's right there. It's been told to them. Hey, let's stop. Let's not go further. All you, all you have to do is listen. But it says that the centurion's like, nah, I'm not listening to that. I'm going to listen to these guys. And so even in a, when we, whenever we face storms, even when we're not facing storms, but when we're facing just storms and difficulty in life, this is a key thing. What are the voices on your ship? Who is it that you're listening to? Kids, when, like here's, here's a moment for you guys. If mom or dad say, hey, you need to stop doing that. I'm just throwing out an example. Stop playing the video game. Not a Kennedy household thing. <laughs> um, and then it's like, oh, but I want to. So what you're saying is I'm not going to listen to their voice. I'm going to listen to my own voice. Right? And whenever we're facing these storms, what are the voices that you're listening to? Maybe it's your friends. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, says this, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Who are your friends? Who are, who, are, who are your close friends? I'm not saying, hey, just have kind of like this little tiny bubble of mega-Christian friends. But I'm just saying, who are the, like your close friends that you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm asking advice from them. I'm listening to them. Pick your friends wisely. I think a lot of the places that we're like, Hey, I need some information. I need some guidance. Boom, Google. Let's just Google that. Let's see what's on Facebook. As if that's somehow unbiased, right? Your internet all in social media, it tracks what you like and then it keeps giving you what you like because you're paying attention to it. And so it's not like if, if we all got on our web browser and we just typed in all the same sentence, it would start to fill it in differently for all of us. Why? Because it's reading you. You're not reading it. And so that's not like a great place to just like, hey, let's go get some wisdom. Let's just Google that. God's voice can get quickly drowned out by our culture. What is everybody around me saying? What is everybody saying? And it could just get drowned out. Look at verse 12. Says it here. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail hey, this is what the majority says. They think it's a good idea. We have the right advice with Paul, but the majority says this. Another time, an an example when the majority's wrong in scripture, Numbers 13, God said, I will give you the land. I will give it to you. You will conquer these people and I will give it to you. Okay. Hey, the Israelites, they send out 12 spies, not to see if they could win. That wasn't really the point. It was just to, to look at it. Hey, tell us what you see. And then they come back there and they're, from the 12 spies, how many say, this is bad. We can't do it. Does anybody know? 10, right? 10 spies. The majority said, no, God's wrong. Two, wait a minute. Yeah, they're big. There's giants in the land, but God said this. And so you gotta pay attention. Who are you listening to? Maybe you listen to yourself, what you think. Verse 13: when a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. Oh man, seems good. Right? Things are kind of falling into place, and you just go off of what you think. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust not, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to your own heart. We're looking to God. Example of this is in Exodus 2, Moses. He sees um, a, a, a fellow Hebrew being beaten. And then he comes, he thinks like, hey, I'm going to step in. I'm, I'm going to do this. And so then he, he murders the, the Egyptian that's beating him. And then this is what happens a- afterwards. It says that, uh, that Moses looked to his left and looked to his right, looked this way and that, and then he got rid of the problem. Then he buried the guy. What, what way did Moses not look? Anybody? Kids? Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I love you. You're like, mm-hmm. he didn't look up, right? So, so here, here's even when we pray, he didn't, he didn't look up, he didn't look to God. And here's one of the things every other week when we pray corporately, one, the main reason we do that is because we have a God who is, is real. Yeah. We have a God who's in real relationship with us. He's listening. He's commanded us to pray, and he moves in big ways, so we're going to ask him to move in big ways. Yeah. Here's the other thing that we're hoping to instill in all of us, that every time something happens in your life, you look up. Boom, I'm going to go to God. Man, something's happened? Go to God. Hey, I'm have a decision to make? Go to God. Because let's face it, South Lincoln... We live in a pretty self-reliant culture, right? We do. I mean, yeah, we do face storms, but a lot of it can be kind of smooth sailing. And here's the danger. Smooth sailing can drown out the voice of God just like other things can. And just in everything, boom, go to God. Everything. Kids. Kids. Man, go to, man, hey, some, something's hard at school, talk to God. Man, you have a decision to make about a job, go to God. What about this relationship? Go to God. Man, something amazing happened in my life. Go to God and praise him. Thank him. We look to God in all of these things. And so God is in control. We see that totally in the story. God got them through the storm. But they also had this responsibility in it. You know, to follow God and they, to listen to the right voices. And so, here's the second truth we see in the story is this. God's purpose is in the storm. God's purpose is in the storm, second thing that we see. Why did God have Paul go through these circumstances? Maybe it was, you know, just... Maybe it was just circumstantial. You know, it's just like, hey, you left for Rome during the wrong time of year. Would you, you know, that's what the people at Caesarea decided, so... Hey, that's just what's going to happen. But, you know, then we kind of get into our heads and we're like, well, but God could have stopped the storm. He could have made it smooth sailing. He could have got Paul to Rome quicker. Why didn't he? I don't know. I don't, have, I don't know. I don't have the answer. But here's the thing. If you get stuck on the explanation... In, in, in this story, if you get stuck on the explanation, in, in the own, your own trials and hardships and storms of your life, if you get stuck on the explanation, you're going to miss God's purposes in it. And so what are, the, what are some of the purposes that God can have in storms? Here's the first one. God can use you to bless others. God can use you to bless others. And we, we know that God wants to reach people with the gospel. God did promise Paul, I'm going to take you to Rome to testify about me. And so while God is going to make good on his promise to get Paul to Rome like he said he would, but God also wants to accomplish his greater mission of just sharing the gospel with a lost and broken world. And so in this story, we see God using Paul. Look at, I mean, look in verse three. The next day we put in at sight and Julius treated Paul kindly. And allowed him to go to his friends to receive their care. Now, Julius is a guy in, in position. He's a pow- he, you know, he has a fair amount of power and authority. And who is Paul in this story? Because it doesn't feel like it when we read it, but remember, who is Paul? Prisoner. He's a prisoner. I don't know about you, I've never been a guard, or I mean, I guess maybe like capture the flag or something, but, but here's the thing you don't just be like, hey, prisoner. Yeah, just go into town and hang out with your friends. I just know you'll come back. Even though I t- technically let you go for free, you'll just come back and hop back in this ship and put on these chains and off we go. Right? But, so, this, so this is crazy that Paul has this, this favor with Julius. He's like, man, I trust Paul. He will come back. That's crazy if you really think about it. And, and so he, he lets him go. Verse 10 even though they don't adhere to his advice, Paul's in the conversation. I mean, that's weird. Again, you're, you're, you have a centurion, a pilot, the captain, the owner of the ship, these people there, and then Paul gets to speak into that. Paul's got some, some position in this whole thing. Verse 21, um, it says, Since they had been without food for a long time... Paul stood up among them and said, you men should have followed my advice. Now, I don't know if this is Paul's humanness and just saying, I told you so. <laughs> um, I kind of like it. You know, if it is, this Paul's like, you know what? <clears throat> told you so. Um, or, or if he's kind of saying something to give his, what he's about to say, some credibility. Hey, guys, you remember? I'm not trying to tol- say I told you so, but you should have listened. And hey, now you can really listen to what I'm about to say. And then when he gives them um, this thing about, hey, God spoke to me through an angel last night. Now, have you ever had that happen in your life when somebody's like, you know what? Last night God spoke to me and this angel said blah, 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 blah. And you're like, okay. Right? I mean, but they're, they're just like, nobody's like, wait a minute, Paul, what angel? What'd the angel look like? Wait a, wait a minute, what? How do we know this is legit? They just believe him. Because Paul has this, like God is using him. There's something else that that is drawing them to Paul that they're attracted to, that they they, um, trust him in. Look at verse 35 as well. After he had said these things, you know, he tells them to eat, and they had taken some bread. He gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And after he broke it, they began to eat. They were all encouraged and took food for themselves. And so God is using Paul in these incredible ways, just as a faithful witness. It's, we don't see this big gospel speech that he gave to like King Agrippa or Felix or Festus or any of those people. Paul's just, just kind of being who he is in Christ, just just living out his relationship with Jesus amongst this, these other crew and, and, and this, these prisoners, And so, you know, even in your life, I think sometimes we just get into like, man, we so want to share this kind of big gospel time, or we don't because it's scary. i just encourage you, man, we say that, hey, we have a relationship with Jesus. Man, just let that be your life. When you're around your friends, when you're around your coworkers, just just let your relationship with Jesus just kind of flow out of you. It's who you are. Hey, how is, Ricky, how is this week? Well... You know, it's kind of a little chaotic. We got the kids back into school. And, um, but I like the, the rhythm, you know, eventually, you know, that they just kind of get to more structure. And, you know, it's been pretty good. Hey, you know, I feel like I've been kind of wrestling with this, but God's kind of showing me that I need to rely on him more rather than myself. Right? I know you're like, that sounded weird. But it's just my life. How was your week? This was my week. My week with my kids. My week, you know, what God's doing in my life. Just, just share what God is doing in your life with others. Share what he's teaching you. And, and when we face you know, these the, the storms, they're not fun. We don't, we don't have to you know, enjoy them exactly. I'm, per, I'm pretty sure that Paul isn't like, this is, this is pretty nice. You know, I thought about going with the cruise ship, but this is way better. Right? But, but God is using him in some other ways. And so that's one of the, God's purposes in storms is that God uses us. Another pur- purpose that God can have in a storm is that God shapes us. God shapes us and he grows us. Here's, here's kind of the thing. When we face storms, and especially if they're really significant, I get it because a lot of these storms that we face in life, they are really hard. And that's something I actually like about the Bible. It doesn't try to tell you that they're not hard or that suffering is, is no little thing or is you know, just some small thing. It's like, no, these are real. But here's the thing when we when you are facing storms when you're facing you know just these really hard things in life here's kind of a thing as it ties to God's purposes in him growing us you can either let a, a storm or a hardship it can either define you or it can refine you right. right it can either define who you are who you're going to be or it can refine you and shape you into what uh, who God wants you to be and so look at verse 18 so they're, they're, they're being driven along. They're out there to sea. Verse 18 says, Because we were being severely battered by the storm, the, they began to jettison. That means just throw overboard the cargo the next day. On the third day, the, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So, it, hey, the, they're hauling grain to Rome to get big payday. But, man, they're starting to face this big storm. And so they're like, we need to lighten the ship Throw it overboard. Hey, we have some extra tackle, you know, basically this is our extra supplies. Get rid of it. And so here's what, how, how a storm can shape you in, 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 that you're facing is it can help you see what's valuable. So here, not the, what does it matter if you save all of the grain, but lose your lives? It doesn't matter. They're like, what's valuable? Our lives. When you're facing storms, this helps you to see, Hey, what's really valuable? When we, when we entered the pandemic over you know, a year and a half ago, I think, um, hey, I'm not saying that God made you know, COVID or anything like that, but, but I think that God can use it. And we saw that early on. People were like, hey, now that I'm home more and I'm just less busy because there's just less stuff to do, man, this is a great opportunity that God is just helping me get in the word. Man, I feel like I'm able to slow down. I feel like I'm connecting with Jesus more. I feel like I'm connecting with my family more. And a lot of people found it kind of refreshing. I mean, a big extrovert like me, I was like, okay, that's two days and I'm done. <laughs> but, it, but it was this way that God was shaping people, reminding them, hey, what really matters to you in this? But then as the pandemic went on, as other storms, other issues came up in our, our country, we all latched onto something, right? Everybody, oh gosh, there's a storm. Things feel pretty shaky. What am I going to grab onto? What are kind of going back? Hey, what are these voices I'm going to start listening to? And it started to show us, the people of God, what we really value in some ways. And I like what pastor and author JT English said. He said this, we saw people leave church or churches because of their politics, but we didn't see people leave their politics for the church. Man, that is true, isn't it? Man, we saw people leave the church because of their politics, but we didn't see people leave their politics for the people of God, the one that Jesus actually came and died and paid the price for. Man, that was telling, right? It showed us what we value. Storms have a way of revealing that. And so whenever you're facing troubles, whenever you're facing these hardships, you're going to latch onto something and kind of take notice of it. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just, gosh, can I have this this, um, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's a computer screen. Maybe it's just fixing yourself on that situation or the problem. But it reveals to you a lot about your true perspective. Hey, what am I really valuing? What do I think is so important? Such a priority in my life. But then, don't just live in that shame. Ask God, God, shape me so that you can can reorient me to you, so that my my perspective is more of what you are saying. Storms could even show you that you have maybe a distorted view of God himself. This is what uh, author Krista Black-Gifford said. He says, if we're not anchored in God's goodness, you will lower your theology to match your pain. If you're not anchored in God's goodness, you will lower your theology to match your pain. We alter, uh, many times, we alter what we believe Or what we believe about God? Because of our circumstances. That's what's happening around me? Oh, then that must tell me what's true of God. Here's what should happen. This is who God is. Period. This is who God is. How he's revealed himself. This is who I see him through his word, through Jesus. That tells me how I should look at my circumstances. So we're looking to him to shape us. God, how can I? And guys, I don't want to pretend that I always do that. I mean, there's some times when I face really tough circumstances, and it's like I know God's good, but I don't really feel it. And I'm like, God, I'm allowing my circumstances to kind of tell me who you are. Please guide me back. Please guide me back to truth so that I see you just more accurately. And so they, they, um, the circumstances that we face. There's such a great way that God can shape us, that they, they can just show us who we are. And so storms, again, they're not fun, but being being kind of in a storm or being broken, being in a really weak spot, isn't the worst thing. Isn't the worst thing. I, I know that sounds like it is, because there's something more beautiful, though, than your circumstance. And this is what 2 Corinthians 12 says. says this, um, this is what God said to Paul. He says, but, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And so even in these storms, it it does, it encourages us. It moves us to be like, God, I need you. God, I, I just need you so badly. And so we, we come back to Him. And, and so even in this, if you're like, hey, what are God's purposes? Why does He do this? Um, is it always um, you know, to use me? Is it always to, to just shape me? Is that it? You know, I, I don't 100% know again why we face all the storms that we face. But I, but I do know this because the Word of God promises it. Romans 8.20 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good to those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. And if you're like, man, how could God use that for good? I don't know. But just if we can't see it doesn't mean it isn't true. Right? When we think of some of the worst situations, when I think of the absolute worst situation, I know of a man that he was innocent, he was mocked, he was betrayed, he was put on an unjust trial, he was crucified and hung, and then he rose again. Right? If God can use this, all this darkness, all this just yuckiness that just went out onto Jesus for our salvation then he can use whatever storm you're going through for his ultimate good. Right? And and even if we don't know why, I like what um, Tim Keller says. He said, if we ask the question, why does God allow evil and suffering to continue? And we look at the cross of Jesus, we still don't know what the answer is. However, we know what the answer isn't. It can't be that he doesn't love us. Why? Because Jesus came for us. Jesus died for us, and that leads us to the last truth, and it's this. God's presence in the storm. So he said God's providence, God's purposes, God's presence. There in, in the midst of the storm, what happens? Verse 22 through 25, God shows up. He sends an angel to speak to Paul. Hey, right in the middle of it, God speaks to him. God is fully aware of what's going on. Paul even says in there, he says, Man, the God to whom I belong, the God to whom I belong. We can easily think when we're facing difficulties, we can think, Well, God just doesn't care. Or God's just too distant. He doesn't doesn't really know what's going on. We can think maybe that God is punishing us. God's just disappointed. And so he's just kind of, Hey, it's a Monday, Bap. But Paul says, Even in the midst of this, he's like, but the God to whom I belong spoke. God's presence, he's he's with me. He isn't too distant. He he isn't just kicking back and just watching this thing play. He's here with me. He's with you in the storm, in the brokenness. He's here. If, If we just skipped over this chapter and just boom, Paul got to Rome, we would miss actually the power, the purposes, and the presence of God in this story. We we would miss God, his presence. He isn't just with you in the high points. He's with you in the low points. He's with you in your broken heart every step of the way. And Luke is writing this to just say, hey, slow down. I want you to see God in this. It's not fun. It is hard. It's, It's very difficult. But God is with you in this. I mean, even think of the cross. What if Jesus just said, I'm heading to Jerusalem. Then the the scripture just said, then Jesus arrived in Jerusalem. A few days later, Jesus was put to death. Then he rose again. You would be like, what? We've missed it. What'd you miss? You missed God. God in the midst of that suffering. When we look at Jesus' suffering, his, his crucifixion, all that, you're like, man, the reason that you gave me that." all of this this pain and anguish. Why? It's to show me that you love me. Man, it's actually through his suffering that you see Christ's love. That you see God in that. that. That his love really is that high, that big, that wide. And it reminds us that God is with us. Even Jesus, he shall be called Emmanuel, right? God with us that means something and it means something because of even just the cross that we see it isn't just this little encouraging note or some little cool meme or post hey god's with you it's like no god is with me and whenever you're questioning that because we do question it when we do face really difficult circumstances when we face hate heartache whatever it might be we question but wait a minute is he really with me and if you're ever questioning that Here's what I'd encourage you to do is just look to the cross. And that's not just some little gimmick that I'm telling you to do. God with us, God sent his son to us in our sin, in our pain, in our darkness, when we're at our lowest, when we want nothing to do with him, in the midst of all of the storms that we have. And then in the midst of that, Jesus actually faced the ultimate storm that you deserved, that you couldn't face, and that was your own sin and darkness and separation from Christ. You were dead in your sin. I was dead in my sin. And Jesus said, hey, I'm not just going to help you get through it because you can't get through it. I'm going to come, and I'm going to have that storm of sin come onto me so that you don't have to face it. And whenever you're facing whatever it is you're facing, Jesus face the ultimate storm for you. And I, I like, I think it was Tim Keller, he said, hey, if, if we know that Jesus will not forsake us during his darkest moment, then we know that he will not leave us during ours. Yeah. Jesus won't leave you in the midst of any of the things that you're facing. God's presence, it's real. And we know that time and time again, through Christ, he came for you. And you know, if, if today, if you... Maybe you are facing something really hard. Maybe maybe today you're just kind of waking up to man, hey, I've been, maybe not in a storm, but I've been in a fog and I just don't know Christ. Today could be the day where you're like, hey, you realize Jesus did take the price of my sin. Jesus paid it all for me. Not because I'm good, not because of anything, but he rescued me out of that. Today could be the day where you trust in Christ. Give your life to Jesus and come to know him. Or you could just say, hey, God, I don't know what you're doing in the midst of my storm right now. Or, or one that I might face. God, I, I don't know the explanation. I don't know the why, but I just know that you're with me, and you will never leave me. You're always with me, and I could trust in your providence. I could trust in your purposes, and I could definitely trust in your presence, even if I don't feel it, because Jesus, you came. You rescued me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you that that you are always with us, God, that you are good when we don't believe it, that you're with us when we don't feel it, and um, Lord, thank you that no matter what we face, Lord, that we can just always trust, Lord, that that you know it. You've even faced, um, Lord, you know what it's like to have people not like you. You know what it's like to be wrongfully accused. Lord, you know what it's like to have family die. God, you know what it's like to lose a son. Lord, like, and so thank you that even in the midst of whatever it is that we're facing, Lord, that that you are this great high priest who, who sympathizes with us in every way because you have faced it too. You've faced it all. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you are so good and that you're with us. Give us the strength to endure. Give us the strength to trust you. And we ask this in your name. Amen.